This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to lead off with Jalen Green's interview with Paul George and... I'm sure you've probably read at least some of the things that have come out of it, but the main thing, and they, and they talked for about, I don't know, close to 50 minutes or so and maybe longer, but the gist of it and the thing that I want to get into, get into with you, Adam, more specifically is the James Harden rumors and the link to James Harden uh, with the Houston Rockets this offseason and free agency. And, Paul George sort of led the witness a little bit. He didn't really ask Jalen Green specifically about, hey, how do you feel about James Harden joining the team? How do you feel like you guys fit? He just kind of led it off with just saying how he thought that they fit, that he didn't think that it was a good fit sort of, um, I don't, I wouldn't say culturally, but just for the, for the timeline more so. He didn't, his exact quote was just that it could, you know, he could, you know, help him in some ways and teach him in some ways, but also, in some ways hinder his his development and his growth and Jalen Green agreed with him and, and so that's that's the gist the gist of it Jalen Green saying yeah I agree it could help and it could hurt at the same time we haven't really talked about the rumors and so I think this is an opportunity for you and I to discuss the fit and maybe speak to these uh, you know theories that they wouldn't fit together or that somehow James Harden as a ball dominant guard would hinder Jalen Green's development, Jabari Smith's development, Alperin Shingun's development, the development of the young players that they've invested in. Jalen Green sort of breathed a little bit life into this by speaking with Paul George and the very least sort of co-signing Paul George and leading the witness, as I said. So, so where are you on this? What's sort of your reaction to Jalen Green suggesting that, yeah, it could help a little bit in some ways, but it could also hurt and, and and sort of at least speaking to the James Harden rumors. I, I want to know how it could hurt him. Um, like it, it's it's one thing that like in what ways would it hurt Jalen Green to have James Harden on the team? I, th- I think that's the first question that I that I would have to ask. And I don't think he spelled. I don't, I don't think they went into that. But I guess that would be the first question that I would have for Jalen Green. Okay, I, I understand the part where you say, yeah, it might help you, but how exactly would it hurt you by having James Harden on the roster? And I just, do you have a a high? Do you do you have any idea, kind of what he's thinking in that regard? So the way it's positioned, and the way that Paul George positions it, and I would say even the way I've seen others position it is that. James Harden is going to have the ball too much and that 
that's going to take away from Jalen Green having the ball as much as he should. And and I would even suggest this much, that Jalen Green at this point in his career is not like an excellent off-ball player. And he even spoke to it at various points, or at least at some point in that interview with Paul George, that you know he doesn't really like standing around in the corner. And that's just not really his thing. That's not really his game. And we probably even agree on that. But that's not a good use of his of his skill set or anything or his ability. So so the idea was that it is basically that James Harden would have the ball too much and that Jalen Green wouldn't be allowed to create or to cook, as they say. Here's my problem with that. If you don't think that you're very good, like, you know, quote, quote unquote, standing in the corner, then move around, you know, make yourself available in, in other ways. And yeah, I understand that somebody like James Harden, he likes to shoot the ball a lot, but he also gets you the ball if you're in the right spots and if you make yourself available to him. So I I think personally, that's a bit of a cop out because I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Jalen Green's an incredible talent, but is he great with the basketball in his hands? Like, I mean, we, we just said he, he's not great playing off the ball. I, I don't think he's been great with the ball in his hands either. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable doing something, the, be- the best way to get better at it is to keep doing it. And, and I always kind of go to this, and, and I, I, I hate having to do cross-sports stuff, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyways. Um, there, the, uh, the, there was a, 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 a minor league baseball manager who coached outfielders, really good at it too. And I remember we had an outfielder uh, who was just out of the draft out of USC. And the manager says to him, hey, are you better going back on balls or are you better coming in on balls? And he said, I'm, I can't remember what he said. I think he said, I'm, be- I'm better coming in on balls. Well, then the manager said, okay, I'm going to play you shallow because you clearly, is, if you're not comfortable having to go, having to, uh, to go back on balls or whatever I just said, I'm going to put you in that position to where you're having to do something that you aren't comfortable with because that's how you get better and that's how you develop. So for Jalen Green, if you're not comfortable not having the ball on your hands, then maybe you need to play more without the ball on your hands. And then the other thing I would say to that, um, when Kevin Porter Jr. was out of the lineup, when, when he had the toe thing, um, it gave Jalen Green an opportunity to have the ball more and to run the offense more. And he wasn't necessarily the point guard. They weren't necessarily running the offense through him, but he had the ball more. Would you say that he looked like a guy who could carry an offense like that during that 20 game stretch? I didn't think so. I think that he could do it for stretches for, you know, stretches within a game, but he's not going to be able to to be the guy who's going to have the ball for you that much. And so if anything, having James Harden or another point guard on the roster basically serves as a, a bit of a safety valve for him to where he does, he's not asked to do more than he's able to do. And so I, I think one of the, what's difficult for some of these guys is that you put them in a position where they're doing more than they're able to do. And then I think that hurts them. It hurts their production on the floor. And then it hurts the team at the same time. I think you saw this with Green as a rookie or he's, he just wasn't ready, you know, and it's, he wasn't supposed to be ready. He's a rookie. He's 19 years old playing in the NBA in the first, you know, month or so it was really bad because he just, he wasn't ready for, for what was, what was about to come. So I, 
I saw the answer that he gave. I didn't like it. I just think if you want to get better as a player, you have to be able to do more things. And to say that I'm not comfortable with the basket without the ball in my hands, well, you need to get comfortable with it. Because I don't know if Jalen Green – Jalen Green wasn't the best player on the team last year. And I don't know if he's going to be the best team, best player on the team moving forward. So he needs to get comfortable with a whole lot of different roles. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I was, I was more so, if I could say, disappointed that that was their analysis of James Harden. I thought that as basketball players, guys who you know who obviously play in the league, Paul George and Jalen Green. So know more about the game than you and I do. I would expect them to have a more astute analysis of James Harden, at least the James Harden that's playing today. Like if to me, I feel like and you tell me if you agree with this or if you can see this at all in some of the analysis. But it feels like we're conflating the James Harden that was in Houston previously with the James Harden that we believe would be coming in this situation like it's a different player you know like i it, it feels like it, there's not enough consideration being given to what james harden's been in philly and in brooklyn over the last few years and there's too much of a fixation on what james harden was in houston and it's like hey well that and jalen green is not going to work but it's it, it's almost like hey you know are, are we forgetting that he's not you know, part of the criticism is like, oh, he's not the same player that he was however many years ago. But but yeah, but there, it, but in some ways that is what makes him a better fit now. The fact that he's not the guy that's going to take all the shots and be the one that everything is necessarily centered around. I think I don't know. I, I, it, it feels like a, a miscalculation on exactly what James Harden is now. Like if you want to if you want to say all the stuff about, hey, he doesn't come up big in the clutch and you don't like the way that he left and then you know all of those sort of things i get that but to say like i was surprised to hear paul george say hey james harden's gonna have the ball all the time you're not gonna be able to have the ball i, I don't even, i'm not even sure that, that that's exactly how it would play because because the thing is james harden actually can spot up and shoot right like he actually would be an asset in that way and that's not necessarily how you want to use him primarily but to me i just i feel like good talented basketball players can figure out ways to play together james harden actually did people talk about he didn't coexist with with the stars in houston he actually had a lot of success with his co-stars in houston uh every one of them dwight howard uh chris paul and even russell westbrook to a degree i know it ended it kind of you know in a disappointment obviously but i don't know it just do you sense that that there's maybe a miscalculation on who james harden is or just the way yes. that we talk about him yes i, I think 100 percent. I, I don't think that the perception that people have of James Harden, the basketball player, is at total odds with the basketball player that he has been over the course of his career. Um, I, I get he shoots the ball a lot. Like, I, I understand that. But he's also led the league in assists twice. And so if you are a quote-unquote ball hog, if that's what you are as a player, you're not leading the league in assists multiple times over the course of your career. It's just not going to happen. Um, he has, he has made teammates a lot of money by getting them the basketball. Clint Capella has made a significant amount of money over the course of his career because of the lobs that he got from James Harden. Yeah. Um, and, and now he's, he's kind of had the same thing with Trey young in Atlanta. Um, PJ Tucker made a lot of money 
based off of a playing defense, which is important, but also just making shots that were created for him by James Harden. So uh, if you make yourself available, he's going to get you the ball. And, you know, they won 65 games with James Harden and Chris Paul as the two best players. And there was all this, well, how are they going to coexist? How are they going to share the, the basketball? It's not hard. Yeah. Like it's, it's not hard to share the basketball with other people if they're ready for it. Um, he shared the ball with, like you said, he shared the ball with Russell Westbrook. And the first year that he led the league in assists, he didn't do so with a, He did not have a co-star on that team. Right. It was him and a bunch of really good players. It was him and Patrick Beverly and Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson and Capella and Nene and Corey Brewer for part of that season. And then it was, you know, it was a lot of different guys, none of whom were stars, yet he still led the league in assists because he trusted those guys and he created them shots and those guys knocked those shots down. So the idea that he's a selfish player and he's a ball hog and all this other stuff, it flies in the face of what he's done throughout his entire career. He is one of the best passers that we have ever seen. That is, that is, you cannot argue that. He is going to get you the ball. He's going to see everything on the floor. He's going to give you an accurate pass that is right in your shooting pocket, and you have to be ready to shoot. So I just, the discourse around the guy, you can you can certainly poke holes at the big game record, at the playoff stuff, that's more than fair. But the, the characterization of him as just a one-dimensional ball hog who's only looking to score, it it's not accurate. And all you have to do is just watch the games. All you have to do is look at the at the stat line at the end of every season. And I'm going to – I mean, he's – I should have had this pulled up before we even started. Um, but this is a guy – I'm just going to go through his assist per game. This is since joining the Rockets. So this is what, a 10- or 11-year stretch of just his assist per game. 5.8, 6.1. 7.0, since leaving the Rockets, um, he was averaging, let's see, 10.9 assists per game with Brooklyn um, uh, after the trade uh, from Houston. Uh, last year with Brooklyn and Philly, he combined to average 10.3 assists. And then this year he was at 10.7 assists. So that's double digit assists that he has averaged now for three straight years. He's now done it four times over the course of his career. That's not a ball hog. Like that's a guy who's looking to make plays for others. And that's a guy who's looking to make players better. So just the discourse around it, it's just so inaccurate. And it's, it's frustrating that you see smart people who act, who act this way about the guy and who say this stuff about the guy, because it could not be further from the truth. Yeah. Well, this is one of the reasons why I find sports really interesting in the way that we talk about them, because a lot of it really is, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like the discourse is where like narratives really take over sort of some of your common sense and, and a lot of like the facts and the data that's presented to you, like the things that you actually see with your eyes. But the things that you say and talk about and hear are what you more so gravitate than what you're actually seeing. And so 
it, like it, it feels like there's a lot more energy and attention paid to the tacky way that James Harden left Houston, which was tacky and indefensible any way you look at it. I, I don't, you know what? And I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I see this all the time. He's a quitter. Blah blah. Get over it. Yeah. You know, it's business. This is all business. At well, the end of the day, he yeah. made a business decision, and the Rockets made a business decision. And get over it. Be an adult about it. It's over. It happened. It was ugly, no doubt about it. But the fact that the team who he left, the fact that the team that he quote unquote quit on, they want him back. That tells you all you want to know about the situation. They don't care. It set them up to where now they have a pretty, you know, they have a decent young core of players. And without that trade, they don't have that. So it happened. Move on. Be an adult about it. I would say this. I agree with you, first of all. But I would say even this, even if you don't want to be an adult about it, even if you want to be, and I want to know what you think about this, because this is kind of a, like a a twisted fan view of it. Like, if you're a fan of the team and you can't get over this, I would even submit to you that, like, if you want to sell yourself on James Harden or the idea of it, I would submit to you that in some ways he owes you this. Like if you feel robbed and cheated by James Harden, which again, like you just spoke to, get over it, be an adult. This is business. Of course, we know that. But if you don't view it that way and you feel sincerely robbed and cheated by James Harden for the way that he left and you're offended by the way that he left, don't forget like the fact that he is a huge reason of why your picks next year won't matter. Like the, the, the trade, the trade, the basically the Russell Westbrook trade, right? That is a James Harden creation, you know, shipping Chris Paul off for Russell Westbrook. And it's because of those picks, the reason why you actually need to be good next year, or it doesn't as much benefit you to be terrible. I would think of it. If you're a fan at the very least, if James Harden is the best available free agent, in a year where you can't be bad because of a move that you made to placate him at the very least he could do is come help you not be bad. <laughs> like it, like if you want to view it from an emotional sense, you should almost view it like James Harden owes you this to come pay you a solid and help you get out of the mud that you feel like he helped you uh, get stuck in or, or the mess that you feel like he helped you create. And, and, and that's just some level of mental gymnastics that I did from a fan perspective. But you could look at it that way. You could look at it the way that you present it. Like, hey, man, this is just this is just how things go. Sometimes this is, business sometimes is ugly. But like that, that's not a reason to sort of. You know, to to continue to be bad or, or like an excuse to like not improve your team or to not add a player that significantly upgrades areas in which you are severely lacking. Like you, you ran down the assist. You talk about the assist and that's important, obviously, because he come in and be the point guard. But I think about the three point shooting, you know, he's not, he's not this, the player that he was at, at one point, but people for, I don't know if people realize this or, or not, but it's easy to look up. There are, I'm pretty sure only two people in the history of the NBA who, who have made more threes than James Harden. I'm pretty sure it's Steph Curry and Ray Allen. And after that, it's James Harden, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he's up there. Like, he's he's a legitimate shot creator and shot maker 
two things that you just are sorely lacking on this team. Um, and, and it's not to say uh, that, hey, like it didn't matter in the, at the time, in the moment, but like we are in a different time where this is three, this is now three years later. And how long are you willing to be bad, even as a fan? You know, much less the the actual organization itself, which I think is the best point that you made was that, hey, for all of this narrative stuff, for all of this discussion that we have about, hey, James Harden is this and that like they they do not view him that way. The team itself does not view him that way. So what are you going to do with that? The team that you root for or, the, or this this organization itself values James Harden. You probably better get with the program. And you look at the roster that they have now and again, it hasn't hasn't translated to wins, but they don't have, if, if they had kept James Harden and they would have played the whole thing out, great. They, they maybe make the playoffs in those years and they probably get bounced very early. And now you're just looking at an old roster that doesn't have a whole lot of hope. At least now you have Jalen Green, you have Jabari Smith, you have the fourth pick in this year's draft. You have, you know, you have other pieces. So it, it set them up. Um, in a position to where they can rebuild and they can rebuild on the fly. And it's not necessarily easy. And we're seeing that it's not easy, but it was the trade was the best thing for both sides. I think the trade was the best thing for the Rockets moving forward, uh, not from necessarily a competitive standpoint, but from a rebuilding standpoint, it was the best thing that could happen because that team had run its course. That group had run its course. They weren't going to go anywhere with that core together. And I think that at least those sides knew it. And for Harden, it gave him an opportunity to, to start over someplace fresh. And I think it kind of gave him more of an appreciation for what he had with the Rockets. Um, so I, it, it's anyone there. There are reasons to be against the Rockets bringing in James Harden. But anyone who says to me, he's a quitter, we don't want him back. Just stop. You know, just stop that. That's the one. That's the one area where that I can't listen to. And I, 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 and the people who say, well, he's a choker in the playoffs. I don't care about that either because this team has won 20 games uh, the last two years. It doesn't matter to me. Here's, here's my question though, for you. Um, if Jalen green goes to Rafael stone and says, nah, let's not do this. Does that matter? Should that matter? Should Jalen green have veto power over this situation? Should, should Jalen green have veto power over any moves that they make? It, it's tough because I think, what Jalen Green thinks matters, but I absolutely do not think he should have veto power over a move as significant as that. Like a, a move as significant as adding a player of the level and caliber of James Harden. I think even a, a less caliber player, even, you know, it doesn't even have to be that good of a player. I, I, I don't think like, like Jalen Green is a phenomenal basketball talent and like prodigy, but I, I can't speak to his general manager qualifications. You know what I mean? And, and you know, like, uh, unless there's something like really deeply personal that's going on to, to, to why they wouldn't be able to work together. And, and that's not the case. Like we know that, that it's not that, you know, I, I could not do that. No, it, it'd have to be something drastic for me to give him veto power. It had to be something very drastic and specific. It couldn't just be, Hey, I don't want to stand in the corner or he dribbled the ball too much. Like, nah, that's not going to do it. So I, I would say no. I think it's, you know, since we're here, I think it's even interesting that that we've heard that they floated, uh, that they floated Jalen Green's name, or I shouldn't say that they floated his name. There have been either calls or some discussions on Jalen Green. Like, you've got to think about it like that. Like, 
they, they are still trying to figure out exactly. It's not for sure. I, as much as I like Jalen Green as a pro, as a like I said a, as a prodigy, it is not for sure. And you were kind of hitting on this earlier. It is not a for sure thing that he is the franchise player and the guy moving forward. Like that's like they're prioritizing him in that way, but it's not like they're at the point where they couldn't even pivot off of that idea if they decided to, or if or if they were given uh, a good enough, you know, a good enough offer. Or you know, we talked about this before. Like if if someone throws out Luca or like one of the top five, top eight guys in the league or something like that, you're able to get somebody like that. You would do it. So, I mean, so, so no, not, he's not that level of player. I don't even think even close yet. Does he, does he have some traits and some things that makes you think that he could be the type of player who would have veto veto power eventually. And one day, absolutely. He, he absolutely has that. But today, as you ask the question, as we speak right now, no, I would say no. I just want to say if we're on the same page on that, we are. Yeah, 